0: Well good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning and as uh Corey had mentioned yeah our families go way back um my grandpa his name was Millard Anderson Lee and uh he uh worked with Brother Malone there at the Decatur Church back in the I think it was the mid-70s so I was uh, like negative four negative five when that happened uh but yeah our families go way back and uh um, I've known Tyler now for about 18 years. We've become friends about 18 years ago, and uh, recently, probably within the past five years, I got there. You are I gotten to know Corey really well, and, and you know I, I really appreciate his heart to serve the Lord. And um, I know when I began to work with him a little bit at the camp, he's asked me to be out there several times. And when I come, when I first met him and was able to work with him, my first thing that I told my wife, I was like that he loves the Lord. He's so genuine. Um, And so I I just really appreciate that about uh, Corey. And thank you so much for allowing me to be here, allowing us to be here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, my family real quick, just so we can get um, kind of acquainted a little bit. And uh, this is my family. This is my wife, uh, Heather. We've been married now for 12 years. And recently, back in April, she. Um, Quit her job and has joined me in this mission work. And uh, she was a nurse and she'd been a nurse for about seven years at the uh, Good Samaritan Hospital there in Mount Vernon. And um, one of the things that we were committed to as we started this journey that we wanted to do it together. And uh, so uh, she's been blessed to have me around in her life now for the past three or four months. And I think if I can get another three months you know, I'll have her straightened out, uh, but that, that's been a lot of work. Um, we have three boys. It's always funny. We go to several churches, and they're like, well, so uh, how many kids you got? And we're like, three. And then they're like, well, uh, ha- you know, do you have boys? Do you have girls? And we're like, we have boys. And they're like, all three boys? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, my goodness. So that is, it's oh, my goodness, every day. Oh, my goodness, what are, what are they up to? Uh, Jaden, he's 7, Caleb's 4, he's got a broken arm, uh, he's kind of on the uphill side of it, hopefully he'll have the cast off this week, and, uh, and then we got Peyton, and, uh, so, uh, and Peyton's 2, so yeah, we have 3 boys, it's always exciting, you never know what's going to get broken every day, uh, unfortunately one day it was a bone, um, or 2 bones, but uh, so yeah, our, our, our house is very, very lively as you can tell. But uh, as we kind of transition from our family into the calling that God has placed on our life, I'll never forget the Tuesday evening that my wife, we had just finished supper, we put the boys in the bathtub, and when I got back into the kitchen, I was starting to do the dishes. So everybody would say, "Oh, yeah, I do the dishes sometimes, about once every month." Uh, no, but uh, I started doing the dishes, and my wife said, "Hey, I need to talk to you." So I said, "Okay," and. Uh, she began to share how God was dealing in her heart. She said, there's something that's going on in my heart. I don't know what it is, but I feel like our time at Calvary there in Salem is coming to an end. She's like, I don't know what it is, but I just know that it's going to be something different. And I was totally shocked because, you know, when uh, when it came from Heather, because usually as pastors, we're the ones that have all the great ideas, you know. And we go and we tell our wives, and our wives are laughing, and they're like, yeah, that's not a good idea. But when it's the wife of the pastor, it's a little bit different. And so we began to seek the Lord, and we begin to pray, we begin to read the Bible, we begin to get a godly counselor in our life. And uh, God had opened up a door for me to go to Houston, Texas during this time. And on September 11th of 2015, God changed our path forever. I was at a men's retreat, and at this men's retreat, it was 72 hours, no phone, no internet, no tablets, uh, no computer, no nothing. It was just us getting ministered to. It was us listening, having that ability just to connect with God. And I went there 100% seeking God, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? And so on that morning, September 11th of 2015, Friday, it was a Friday morning at 11, I was sitting there in one of the seats, and the pastor got up. He began to tell his life story, and uh, it was very similar to mine. And he got to this part of his testimony where he said, I, when I answered a call to preach, I went to Kentucky. I packed up my family, we went to Kentucky, and I went to seminary there for four years. After four years of seminary, I took a church. And after being there for about four or five years, God had called me to plant a church in Friendswood, Texas. It was at that very moment that he said those words that I had this wave of shock go through my body. I don't know if you've ever been uh, working with electricity or you've plugged in something and you've just had that electrical shock go through your body. Well, that's exactly what went through my body just as I'm sitting right where you are. And I knew that was the Holy Spirit calling me to go do this. And that weekend changed my life. Not only on how God was working in my life personally, but he allowed me to see a different angle of who he is and how much he loved me and how much he loved people. I met another gentleman while I was there that weekend, and he had a big impact on my life. I got to know this gentleman and he, you know, in every group of people, you have the guy who kind of stands by himself and he doesn't really have much to do with the services and he, when everybody's standing, he's sitting, you know, and I got to meet him and I I went up and I just asked him, what's your story? And his story just really struck home with my heart and where I knew God was leading and why he was leading us to Champagne. but his story was this. I'm trying to find answers in my life I've tried drugs I've tried alcohol and I'm trying to give them up and I know God's working but I, I I'm just trying to understand even who God is and I'm trying to understand what my life is about and I know there's more to life than what I'm living now and, at, and you know and that just struck me I mean this guy was real and, and the thing is, it's like there's so many people around us today in the communities that we live in. They're going through these real struggles. And my heart just attached with this testimony. And at the end of this whole weekend, he got the, everybody got the opportunity to get up and, and get, share their testimony of how God was working in their life. And how God worked with them in the weekend. And he gets up and he's so real. You know, broken people—they—they they hide a lot of things, but they're so real too about the way they feel about their lives. And he said, "I." He got up and he said this. He's like, "I'm the oddball here. I'm not really into church. I'm not really into God. But there's one thing that I do know, is that you guys love God and you guys love me." He said, "When I was cold, you went and got me a jacket this weekend." He said, "When I was." Tired and almost fell asleep during one of the services, you got up and you got me a cup of coffee. Every morning when I woke up, you made my bed. You did this, you did that, and I know that you love me. And and I was just instantly connected with with this this gentleman on on, on the fact that the things that were changing his life were people were, were seeing people love him right where he was at regardless of his brokenness, regardless of how he felt about himself, self, regardless of his past, and regardless of his present, people were loving him. And I was instantly drawn to one of the reasons why I know God is calling us, and one of the purposes that God is calling us, one of the things God wants us to do when we go to Champagne is to love people right where they are. And that's our purpose statement. To reach people where they are. To take them where they need to go. And that statement goes right along with the name of the church. It's the Bridge Free Will Baptist Church. Or the Bridge Church. And we want to reach people right where they are. I, I remember when I was seeking God. And I was asking God. God give me a vision. What, what is one of our purposes of going to Champaign? What do you want us to accomplish for your glory? And at 3 a.m. one uh, morning. I forgot when it was, but at 3 a.m. on one of the mornings, I woke up, and God had given me a vision. And I'd like to illustrate that vision this morning. Could you stand up? Just Stand up, come here. This is the vision that God had given me as I was thinking even about the name of the church and everything and just wanting confirmation. This was the vision he gave me at 3 a.m. I woke up, and he... I was standing here with the gentleman, and in front of us was a bridge, and to the right and to the left was this deep valley. And at the bottom of the valley was a a small like river, kind of creek like thing, but it was deep. And this gentleman that I was next to was actually doing this. Can you do that? He wasn't smiling though. No. He wasn't. <laughs> Uh, but he was really contemplating on what to do to get to the other side he could have he was really ought um, contemplating should I go across this bridge the bridge is much easier and he was also contemplating well maybe I should go to the left maybe I should go down to the deep deepness and try to cross the the water and get to the other side but in this vision the other side was so much steeper than the one he would have started on it would have been nearly impossible for him to get up to the other side and he was sitting here contemplating this decision and as i approached this man god was showing me he's like there are so many people like this guy right here who are looking for a way out of their life. And they have no idea that the bridge on the other side of the bridge is their answer. It's God. We know that. The answer is God. And he's on the other side of the bridge. And, and I need you to go to Champaign to help these people make that decision to get to the other side. Go ahead and sit down. You know, the thing is, not only in Champagne are there people looking to get to the other side. But there's people right here in this community that you live in that are looking to get to the other side. So our vision is to reach people where they are, right where they are, trying to make those decisions, those choices in life, to take them to where they need to go. And I I hesitate to say this sometimes, but I believe that's the situation in, in our nation today is so many people are looking for the answers. They're looking for the answers, but they need people in their life to help them with that. I believe that's what God has called us to do as Christians so it is the name the bridge church that's our vision and uh, there are two things that I want to tell you about real quick so we want to bridge people to Christ right where they are we want to reach them to them um, so I'm the kind of the community presence our my wife and I were the community presence but there's also Another avenue that we're going as well, and I believe you probably know by a name, a man by the name of Tyler Penn, right? Uh, he is working there with the international students. And one of the, our visions is to take his ministry and to take what we're doing as a church and have the internationals be, international students be funneled through our church, you know, that they're, uh, they're, they're, they, they accept Christ as their Savior, They're working at in the church as being our tech people, our greeters, you know, however they want to be used or however we can use them. And then when they go back to wherever they're from, like say they're from China, they're equipped and they're ready, they know what it is to have a church. You know, multiplication and we want to reach not only our community, but we also want to reach the world through the bridge church. If you would this morning. And that's, that's an overview of, of how God called us, how, why I know God has called us. God's been so faithful. Uh, we've been um, at this since February, and we've been to Mississippi. That's one of our farthest trips. And it, it's been really interesting that how many people outside of, of, of where we're at in Illinois know people in Champagne. And we've come across, uh, we've been, as, uh, even as far as Lexington, Kentucky, of people who know someone in Champagne, And so we're so, God's been so faithful. We know that there's a harvest there. We know that there are people who need to be reached. And one of the questions that I've asked uh, over the past several months is, how do we reach these people? Because right now, technically, we know five people, Tyler Penn and his family, we know their dog, you know, I guess he's not a person but we know six things and at least you know in Champagne. but how do we reach the people how do we reach the people in this in this culture how do we reach people around us and maybe that's a question you've asked because right now it just seems like there's a big disconnect between the church and our culture there's this big disconnect it seems like people are it appears that people are running further away from the church instead of running to the church. So how do we bridge that gap? That's a question that I've asked. And, and we look at uh, the book of, um, in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And God gave me that verse, and I was like, you know, I think we might be missing the boat or or maybe that is the answer is if we're going to reach this culture how did Jesus do it you know we because we, Jesus had the cultural barriers as well you know the Jews didn't like the Samaritans but he reached out to the Samaritans uh, the Jews were more apt to stone an adulterous woman Jesus was more apt to love her so how is it that we reach this community How is it that we reach the people? Uh, I came across this, and I want you to think about this. A church that is missional is focused on God's mission, being aware of what God is doing in the culture and joining him in the work. I think one of the things that we might be blinded by uh, as Christians, as being called to be God's work, uh, doing God's work, is the fact that we're blinded by God is actually doing a great work in our society. We may just not be seeing it. There's a song out there right now that says God is on the move, on the move, hallelujah. God is on the move in many mighty ways. I believe that God is actually at work more than we realize, but we're just not seeing it. And we may not be seeing it because of we're, we're not sure really how to be engaged in it and how to be working in it. Uh, God is a missional God in every culture, and we must join him. John 20 verse 21 says, As as my father has sent me, so I am sending you. So here's the scripture this morning. It's in Matthew uh, chapter nine and the verses thirty-five. And again, this is answering that question: How do we bridge the gap? How do we reach the culture that we live in? The Bible says that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction." We see that Jesus is teaching the scripture. That's one of the things we see Jesus doing. We also see him uh, preaching and telling of the gospel that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the Messiah has come. And we also see him healing. He's being a servant to the people. And so one of the things I, I think we need to understand, that I need to understand that t- in, order to reach the gospel, t- in order to reach the culture, the gospel does not change. The cross does not change. The way to God does not change. It didn't change in the days of Jesus' sin. It, it doesn't change today. And it goes on and it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them he loved them he noticed them he loved them right where they were and the scripture right here it doesn't single out anybody it says that the whole entire crowd these, the crowd that he saw is what moved him and then he loved he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless and when we go right down to what the greek interpretation of this scripture is here with harassed and helped these people literally felt like they were kicked to the curb and left alone unworthy unloved that's really what that means the helpless part means that they were actually looking for answers in their life but no one was willing to give them the answers until Jesus walked by and it goes on, and it says they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and I love this: the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We look at that, and we know that he had twelve disciples, and I, I, I believe that's a little personal—that he's getting personal with them. And he looks at all his twelve disciples, and he kind of maybe brings them to the side, or you know, in the in the New Testament time. And when the rabbis actually taught, they would actually use an illustration that they could see to get their point across. And I just kind of wonder at this point in time if Jesus was with his disciples and there was uh, uh, some type of crop that was ready to be harvested. And he just looks at his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, in so many cases in the New Testament, the disciples, I'm sure, would have understood exactly what Jesus was talking about as they could see the harvest. and, And he's also pointing to the people. And it's almost like at that point in time, he's like, this is what I want you to do. Because there's a lot of people out there that are hurting. And then it says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest and it's almost like he looks at at the disciples and said this this is so big we need more labors we need more labors so we know that there's this great value in the harvest that jesus is talking about so going back to the question how do we reach this culture around us how do we reach the community around us how do we reach the people around us how do we reach our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones that are around us. How do we do it? The first thing is, is be engaged in the lives of my community. Jesus was very intentional about every single person that he met. Jesus was very intentional about the crowds that he saw. He was engaged in their life. You know, yesterday I was uh, talking to a young lady Um, And she's, she's like, uh, she's a brand new uh, Christian. I, I baptized her last year or this year uh, in January. She's like, Jamie, where do I start in the Bible? I said, I would start right in John. And she said, why? And I said, because you see Jesus in action, loving people all around him. You see who he really is. I mean, John... John is amazing and when I read John it, I got this whole different perspective of Jesus and how much he was actually engaged and how much he loved people and how much he served people I mean it's all over the place in the book of John John chapter 2 he's at a wedding turns water into wine he meets, meets an impossible need John chapter 3 he's available to a man by the name of Nicodemus and he spends time with him and telling him about God's love John chapter 4 Uh, he's with his disciples and the disciples they're 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 on a mission you know and jesus says hey i've got to go through samaria and they're like whoa we don't have any dealings with samaritans we can't do that jesus said hey i got to go there and he broke down that wall of race he broke down that wall in that culture and he meets a woman there at the well and begins to share the, the, you know, the very own gospel with her and how, uh, he, uh, how God can change her life and give her water that never ever will run dry. John chapter 5, he meets a man who had been uh, sitting by this pool for most of his life and he heals the man at the pool of Siloam. John chapter 6, he has compassion on another crowd, and he feeds the five thousand. John chapter seven. There's a dialogue with the uh, Jews, and uh, how how they were fair, uh, and how they were legalistic. in John chapter eight, he, they throw a woman at his feet. Uh, the Bible, or the story, is known as the adulterous woman, and it, they throw her, throw her at his feet. And he goes and he says, where's your accusers? And she says, I don't even see him. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. I mean, he was active in the book of John, just loving people right where they are to give them a ray of hope and to give them deliverance. We jump to uh, John chapter 11, and that's where uh, Lazarus has died. And what's he do for the family? He goes and he stays with them. He weeps with them. Those are all uh, stories just in the book of John and how we can be engaged and what Jesus did to be engaged in his community. Being a servant, loving people right where they are, offering them some, some, some solutions to their life. And not only that, but going and weeping with the hurting people. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. One of the ways that um, we want to be engaged in our community is this right here. Water's Edge Apartments. This is where we are hoping to live. This is where we're praying that uh, we, we still are open to what God wants to do. But right now we believe that this is where God wants us to live. And we're, right now we're currently waiting for a three bedroom apartment to open up. And they told us it would probably be anywhere between November to March. And when that opens up we're going to move to Champaign. And you're like well what's the significance in living in an apartment complex. Well, in apartment complexes, there's a lot of people that you can come in contact with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And, and here's the thing, we read a statistic in uh, Planty missional churches by Ed Stetzer that said 5% of the people who live in apartment complex are connected to a church, 5%. So let's just say 1,000 people live at this apartment complex. There's only 50 that are, according to this statistic, that are going to the church, that are connected to a church. That means there's 950 people who do not go to church or are not connected to a church. So that's one of the ways that we are going to be uh, engaged in the community, one of the ways that we are going to be living our life intentionally to win the people to the Lord. The Bible goes on. So we know that he was engaged in his community. The second thing we see him about uh, the community and the people, make loving people my call to action. So not only do I need to be engaged in uh, my community, but I need to make loving people my call to action. That's what moved Jesus. It was the helpless and the hurting people that moved Jesus. I bet if I were to ask, do you know someone who is hurting today? I I just wonder, If everybody in this room would say, yes, I know somebody who is hurting today, that's in my life. And that's what Jesus did. That's what called him to action. Just loving people was what called him to action. I believe that everyone you meet, everyone you know, is probably fighting some type of battle that we know nothing about. So make loving people my call to action. When I got back from that trip in from Houston, Texas, Friendswood, Texas area, I got back and uh, there was this particular week that my wife was having a really bad week. And so I was like, I need to go buy my wife some flowers and put a smile on her face so everybody say ah. Oh. Uh, so I went and bought my wife some flowers and I walked into the flower shop. And uh, this week, uh, the Salem community had been hit pretty hard because a young lady had, committed suicide and this was the about the 16 the sixth teen that had done this uh, in about a, a span of a year and a half so I walked in and I was talking to the lady and uh, was buying my wife some flowers and these two uh, ladies walked in and their eyes were bloodshot red their eyes were swollen I could tell that they were tired they were wore out and they've been crying and throughout the conversation, I, I came to find out that these ladies were here to pick out the, ca- the flowers for the casket arrangement. And God began to work in my heart, and I knew that he wanted me to do something. I didn't know what it was, so as I was getting ready to check out, I began to talk to the lady, and I, uh, I just kind of, I knew God wanted me to do something. So the first thing I, I told the lady was, I want to help these these." these uh, ladies out, would you, um, I just want to pay, uh, tell them I'll pay half of their arrangement. And uh, so she went over and told the ladies that, hey, he's going to pay half of the flowers. Get whatever you, you want. He, that's what he wants. And so as I was sitting there and, and, or standing there, God said something else to my heart. He said, do I own half of your money or do I own it all? I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. So I called the lady who was helping me. I said, tell them that I want to pay all of it. Tell, and so she went back over and she told the ladies, the gentleman is going to pay all of it. And they looked at me and they began to cry. I'm crying. The lady who was helping us is crying so i'm crying there with three women and the two came up and just embraced me and they had that look on their face like oh why are you doing this and here's what i told them i told them this i told them i don't understand what you're going through and i'm sure you don't understand why this happened and maybe right now you might be doubting god but i want you to know that god loves you right where you are and he cares about your hurt today and they said oh thank you so much and they they hugged my neck again and um, i was getting ready to leave and they said they asked where where's your church at we we want to be a part of it we'll be there sunday and i said well i, I explained where that was at and so that sunday came around and everybody, you're all probably like, yeah, they came. No, they didn't come. They didn't come on Sunday. You know what? They didn't come the next Sunday. And uh, from the time that I left, they never showed up. But the one thing that they do know is God loves them and God cares for them. Right where they are. We've got to make loving people our call to action. We can't expect something back. I didn't expect something back. I just did what God told me to do. And that's what we gotta do as well. If we wanna reach the culture around us, we gotta be engaged in the lives in our community. We need to make loving people our call to action. And then the last thing there is, we need to believe God has called me to make a difference. You know, the disciples, we know the background of the disciples, they were fishermen. You know, most of them were. One of them was a tax collector and in all and the instances when God called or when Jesus called them, he said hey I want to make you fishers of men I want to transform your life hey you may be ta- uh, you may be a a, a a tax collector but I want to change your life forever and, and I just wonder in, in that instance in the life of the disciples that you know they were about their everyday life they they didn't they probably more than likely eternity wasn't on their mind And being an impact in the lives of people were not on their mind the New Testament church was probably not on their mind and the things that they would do and that later on 2000 some years later we would read about them in the Bible and they were they would be known as people who turned the world upside down (laughs) I I just think about them and I just wonder if they even thought about that I don't know about you but I know in my life, there's been times when I'm like, God hasn't called me to do anything. There's been times in my life when I forgot my calling. And I think sometimes maybe I just wonder if you're here today and you've, you've forgotten your calling. That God has really called you to make a difference. And, and I think that, that, big, that first word is so important because... Many of us are like, God can't even use me. But but he has. And he done the same thing with the disciples. And I believe one of the the significant parts of of how he talked to the disciples, he's like, I've called you to make a difference. I've called you into this world to make a difference. I've called you into this harvest. I will never, ever look at this intersection the same again. This intersection is in Champaign. It's on the north side of Champaign. And when Heather and I had went there back in August of last year, I remember standing here, and I remember thinking, as I'm looking here, and I look to my left, I saw this apartment complex. This is Water's Edge. This is where we're... Uh, hopefully going to live at and then I looked to my right and here's the subdivision and I remember standing right there at that intersection looking at these two places and thought to myself God there's no way that you can be calling me here because it's too big for me and at that moment he said yes Jamie it is too big for you but is it too big for me? And that's probably what many of us, you know, in church are thinking like, you know, the ministry is just way too big. Reaching out to people is just way too big. Yeah, it's too big for all of us, but it's not too big for God. And God, you know, he reminded me of the scripture in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. It says, now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. When I read a verse like this, I just think about this transfer that takes place. It's like, here I am, but when I give me to God and allow God to use me, he's able to do far more abundantly than we could even imagine. We all have dreams in our life. We all have uh, plans in our life. But when we give those dreams and those plans to God, he exceeds them. He exceeds them. And that's one of the things that I've seen time and time again as we've been out on the road, how God just continues to exceed and show his power. And then it says, uh, So now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. He didn't leave us by ourselves. He didn't leave us and tell his disciples or expect us today to do his work by ourselves. Because the disciples in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, they were scared to death. They're like, okay, Jesus, we understand that you're going away to prepare a place for us. We understand that you have taught us so many things, but where in the world are you going? Uh, how do we get there? And how do we accomplish what you want us to accomplish? And Jesus Over and over in those scriptures said, hey, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. And he's the one that's going to do the work through you. That promise is the same for us today. And and the thing I love about this scripture is is as God leads us and as God begins to accomplish things through his spirit that works within us, we step back and we see all the things that God has done. There's only one person that deserves the credit. There's only one person that deserves the, the glory. There's only one person that deserves the victory and that's God himself. And it says, the next verse says, to him... Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I would say that that's what keeps me going. Knowing that God can use me. And that the things that God uses me and the things that are accomplished, there's only one person that deserves the glory. And that's him. I'm going to ask my wife to come forward. And she's going to uh, begin playing. She's going to sing a song here in a moment. But if I could leave a word of encouragement with you. Today. It's this. God has been preparing you. For just this culture. All your life. And what that means is that God doesn't have any of us here today. On accident. From the time that. Uh, you were born until the time, into the time That you have accepted Jesus Christ As your personal savior He's put you on a new path Just for this day today. We don't need to be scared about our culture We don't need to be scared about our society We need to be engaged in the society We need to join God in what he is doing today So God's been preparing you just for today for this culture that is around you as we come to the close of this service when i read the scripture in the book of matthew it's become really personal to me as we see that jesus turns to his disciples and says the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few I just feel like that's what God has told our family. God has told our family and I personalize it, Jamie, Heather, stop. hey, stop. stop. Jamie and Heather, stop. I've got a plan for you. Stop. Jamie and Heather, I, the mission in, in Champaign, we need some more laborers for you for, for there. And I'm sending you to Champagne because of that. When I think about what God has called us to do, I I get excited and I, I can't wait to get there. But one of the things that it's really done for us personally is it's transformed our family. I believe that we're closer today than we ever have been as a husband, as a wife with my children that I'm gonna get after here in a minute. But I'll I'll never forget what God has done, or I'll, I'll, I'll cherish this moment, because about three weeks ago, my oldest son wrote me a card. And in this card, it said, Dad, thank you for playing baseball with me. Thank you for playing football with me. Thank you for playing basketball with me. I really appreciate it I will love you no matter what and then he went on and he added hockey and golf which we never play but there was something in the message at the end the message at the end said dad I love it when we go to other churches and you preach So we could go and start a church at Champaign. My son's seven years old, and there's no way a seven-year-old could come up with a message like that. So I'm truly excited about what God's doing. I'm truly excited what God's doing in the work already, the people that I've come across and what, it, what he's done in our family and make you know I, I've, I've talked about the church and uh, hopefully been an encouragement this morning and maybe you're here this morning you're like how can I help how can we partner the first thing you can do is you can pray for us and there's a card that you've gotten that uh, it's white it's got a harvest background on it and that is our prayer card we just ask that you put it on your fridge put it in your Bible put it in a book uh, put it right next to where, where you're at and when you see it pray for us we believe in the power of prayer. The second way you can help us uh, that gets us closer to champagne is doing a monthly commitment. And uh, there's several options on there. You can make, you know, write out whatever, whatever option you would like to have. And you may think, well, $5 isn't enough. $5 is a lot. Because when people come together and they just give $5, that gets us a whole lot closer to champagne than than zero does. So Um, My wife here in a moment, she's going to pray, or she's going to sing. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you just to spend some time with God and just ask God, what is it that I can give? What is it that you want me to give? And if you would, go ahead and fill out that card. And I've collected at the end of the service. And uh, I do have a gift for you uh, for monthly commitments uh, at the back table. And you come up to me, get to know me a little bit more. I'd love to show you some more pictures as well about the ministry.